It is bittersweet that we enter off-season mode. I love the off-season. I wish it wasn't here so soon. But what is the state of the Giants going into 2024? How are they going to improve? You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you so much for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Please check us out there, and please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you're following uh, the show. Also, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. And coming up on today's show, like I said, it is bittersweet that it's off-season mode. The Giants' season is over, even though they have more games to play. They've definitely been eliminated now. No tiebreaker math necessary. They cannot get to 82 wins, which would be a bare minimum uh, to make it. In fact, they need to sweep LA just to finish at 500. So ugly, unacceptable. I've done like three episodes in a row kind of harping on all that. But I think today is when we turn the page, not to say that, oh, let's just forget this se- about this season, but just to kind of give you a, a primer on what's to come kind of beyond the possibility of significant shakeups in the front office and or the coaching staff, which I think is possible. And that kind of stuff could happen sooner rather than later. Like as soon as the season ends, is typically, you know, other teams start playing in the playoffs and teams that didn't make it maybe make changes. And so we'll 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 see about that. And this show it, it doesn't end when the season ends. We go all year on Lockdown Giants. But just to give you a preview, I think some of the most so like where I want to start is like who's definitely not coming back, i.e. what I really mean there is who is a free agent. And we're doing this in order of kind of the size of the salary. And the first one is Jock Peterson is a free agent. So I, I'm going to name these guys and kind of name whether or not I think they should be back. And Jock Peterson don't think he should be back. And when we look back on it, I know a lot of you were vocal about how the you know giving him 19.65 million dollars with the qualifying offer was a little bit outrageous for a platoon dh and that proved to be true i would say so you were right those of you who said that uh mostly because he just hasn't performed if he performed this year the same way he did last year then i think it would be okay But when you're such a limited player, like you do one thing and that one thing is hit right-handed pitching and he's just done it kind of okay as opposed to impact, like in an impact way, well, then I just, 
I don't see them bringing him back, especially with the season that Wilmer Flores had and the fact that you've got Lamont Wade Jr. We'll discuss his contract status when we look at first base. I definitely don't like Wilmer Flores playing any position other than first, except on a somewhat emergency basis. Um, But if you let Jock Peterson go, it would open up like the DH spot to just Wilmer Flores being more or less an everyday DH type. Uh, so I think that in that in that sense, you just like Flores was so much more valuable with the bat than Peterson this year. And it, it takes away a platoon situation. Flores can hit lefties and righties. So we'll get to Flores's contract status later but for peterson it's 19.65 million it's wiped clean off the slate he's a free agent and i doubt he'll be back the next one uh is brandon crawford at 16 million so this is a whole different story uh the story here number one i don't think he comes back because the performance has been abysmal i'm not just i'm not going to sugarcoat it he's been really bad this year last year wasn't wasn't so hot either and it's 16 million, you know, obviously, even if he did come back, it would be nothing close to $16 million. But, you know, the big deal is he's on the IL right now, but he's going to come off the IL uh, on Sunday, the last day of the season. And I really do hope, like, I'm not going, but I hope that fans show up to say, goodbye to Brandon Crawford because that's probably the last time you'll see him play for the Giants and maybe play in his career there's a chance he retires he hasn't been clear about what his intentions are but you know we'll we'll cross that bridge when it comes like in terms of giving him his due respect and send-off and all that but right now I'm just kind of priming you for the offseason Crawford's little two-year 32 million dollar extension also in hindsight looks very bad he he just did not at all come close to replicating his 2021 fourth place mvp season pure free agent after the year and i think he'll be gone as well next player is alex wood and i think that at least so far with peterson and wood i'm not sure people are too upset about it and even crawford with all due respect like as much as he's a legend and is loved forever uh you know, you don't just, it wasn't working out. And like the future is not Brandon Crawford at the shortstop position. Obviously he's like going to be 37 years old soon, but Alex Wood, yes, that two year, $25 million extension, another contract that did not work out after a good 2021. It's like a lot of these guys fooled, uh, the front office and you know because wood was really good in 21 and they gave him a two-year extension or a new two-year deal and it just he was just pretty bad the whole time and thankfully his contract is up and i don't expect him to be back so that's three for three with free agents whom like i just they're just probably not going to be back and it's not really a big deal in terms of the team's not going to like, you know, sometimes teams have star players that reach free agency and it's like, oh no, we have to bring him back. Well, that's not the case with any of these guys. And then Roberto Perez, you probably forgot about him, but he is also a free agent after the year. Remember the catcher who started the season on the, on the team and hurt his shoulder and was out for the year. Well, it was a one year deal. So he also reaches free agency after the season. And so 
Uh, actually, there are three more players here, arbitration-eligible players in uh, Jacob Junis. They were arbit- they were in their last year of arbitration, I should say. Jacob Junis, John Brebbia, and Scott Alexander. Now, I could see a case for bringing back any of these three guys. Keep in mind, their salaries this year, we're talking you know, $2.8 million for Junis, $2.3 million for Brebbia, $1.15 million for Alexander. We're talking really small potatoes numbers. And so particularly, like I would say Brebbia of the three, like if you can bring them back, it, it just depends on what kind of contract they'll command, but they are free agents after the season. And so they have the choice to kind of test the market and, there's a chance none of them will be back. There's a chance all three could be back. There's a chance just some, you know, one or two of them could be back. So remains to be seen, and I just don't think it's a huge deal regardless, although Brebbia has been a big part of the bullpen in the last couple of years. So that's it for free agents. So none of them, like I said, you sometimes you have players who are like, oh my gosh, we've got to re-sign this guy. That the Giants don't have that. And in fact, there's guys that you're like happy that their contracts are up. But who's definitely coming back? And it gets complicated with some of the opt-outs. So the guaranteed contracts and the opt-outs, which are guaranteed, but they might leave anyway. Uh, we'll get into those in just a minute. And before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time, buying tickets To your favorite event, whether it's sports, theater, or anything else, shouldn't have to be stressful. This is supposed to be a lot of fun going to these events. Well, why should the ticket buying experience kind of ruin it ahead of time for you? I know it used to for me, particularly like when I've traveled on the road to see the Giants, which I've done a lot. I've never been to some of these stadiums and you're looking at a two-dimensional map of the seats. And how am I supposed to know, like, how high is that? What kind of angle am I looking at from there? And, you know, that is relieved. That is solved, that problem. With with game time, you get images of seat views. And then another thing I always worry about is price. I'm a stickler for price. Am I getting the best price? With game time, you get the lowest price guarantee, which means if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will simply credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets, take the guesswork out of buying them with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code uh, locked on MLB, L O C K E D O N M L B for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All righty, here we go. We are going to get into the guaranteed commitments for the Giants. This is where the rubber meets the road because we start uh, seeing basically how much money are they going to have to spend. Uh, on free agents or on players they acquire via trade or whatever. Basically, how much money do they have to spend to get? This year, their payroll was over $190 million. My theory, which I haven't seen any other reporters talking about except me, is that like for the longest time, for like three straight years, they were at, at around $160 million. 
And then randomly this year, they go up to 190 million. Well, maybe it wasn't so random because each team, each major league team got a like $30 million payment from the sale of BAM tech to Disney. And so to me, the Giants seemingly just took that th- extra $30 million. True to their word, they like their goal is to break even financially. And so they're like, well, $160 million was kind of where we're at in terms of breaking even. And then you just get a windfall of an extra $30 million and they just put it right into payroll. But that's not happening in 2024. And so are they going to go down by $30 million in payroll? That's going to be a huge question for the offseason. And if they do, they need to get called out on it when Farhan Zaidi says there's no limit on spending or whatever. Nonsense. If you're if they go back down to about 160 something million, then it's just clear and they're just lying. And so that that'll be something to follow. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day, every dayers. Tomorrow, we're gonna be doing a mailbag edition of the show. Now the the things have totally changed since the last mailbag. Giants are eliminated. People are starting to think about the offseason, moves that the Giants could make, blah, blah, blah. Not blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's very significant. So look out on X or Twitter for the prompt, and we'll get to those tomorrow. So the guaranteed... Oh, by the way, the Giants play nobody tonight, but they they welcome the Dodgers into town on Friday, and they play at 7.15 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. So the first player here, and again, we're going based on... uh, the 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 cost of the sound like in order of price here basically is Michael Conforto and there's been a lot of legitimate like respected reporters reporters that I respect kind of saying that they believe Michael Conforto will opt out and I'm not so sure I am not so sure given just how mediocre he was that it's a $18 million guaranteed commitment for him coming off a very mediocre season. You might just take that $18 million, hope for better fortune, and not, not just fortune, but just better results next year, and then try to cash in again. That's why you had this kind of structure, was in case you didn't have a great year, you could get that guaranteed $18 million for next year. So I think there's a definite chance he opts into that. But the reason people are saying he may very well opt out is because the basically corner outfield or even just outfield market in general this offseason is extremely weak. And so he would be one of the better players available in that market. And his his agent is Scott Boris, who's no dummy. And, you know, so that that could lead to Conforto opting out. But I won't believe it until I see it. And I liked Conforto. I think he's a good personality fit. I think he underperformed expectations for me by quite a bit, but was still okay. But I would be happy if he opted out, to be honest, because that's $18 million they could spend elsewhere, and I think it would be money better spent elsewhere. So the next player is Mitch Hanniger, and this is not an opt-out situation. This is just a guaranteed deal, and this is the new Tommy LaStella where people are going to be up in arms with their pitchforks, coming after me, talking about DFAing uh, Mitch Hanniger and blah, blah, blah. Again, I respect all of your opinions, but it's I'm simply stating facts here. Hanniger is owed $17 million next year. Let's not pretend 
that like no teams have bad contracts. And for Haniger, it was, you know, discounting his 30 something game rookie season. It was by far the worst year of his career this year. And so I, I fully expect a better season out of Haniger in 2024. And he is guaranteed 17 million. And then he's got this opt out after 2024. And if he doesn't opt out, he's owed 15 and a half million in 2025. So it's honestly, it's not a big deal when you're talking about one player, maybe whose contract you're there's, there's another that we'll get to in a minute, but yeah, it, it doesn't look great after the season he had, but I expect him to be better. And he could, you know, you could always try to trade him. Given what I said, the corner outfield market is weak. So maybe there's some teams that miss out on players they wanted and, and would be interested in Hanniger, especially if the Giants paid down some of the contract. So all of that is on the table. And I just don't think it's that big of a deal that he signed for two more years at you know, people also think these prices are huge, but compared to some other players, it's kind of modest. It's a lot, but it's it's not crazy. And it, and it's, it is just two years left with an opt-out. So then we get to Sean Manaya, who has a $12.5 million decision to make for himself. I think he opts out, not because I think he's unhappy here. Maybe he was. Uh, the bullpen... He said last night, like after the game, in which, again, he pitched brilliantly as a starter again, um, that moving to the bullpen was like really uncomfortable for him. But then he also said it was the best thing that could that could have happened for him. So it was a little bit of mixed messaging. Maybe he the fact that like he wanted to earn his way out of the bullpen is what he means. And so it got, you know, it motivated him to really, really work on his pitch quality etc and command and all that and so anyway i think he's pitched well enough over the last four plus months to opt out of 12 and a half million and that he could do better than that on the open market and maybe even is a guy that the giants might want to bring back themselves so we'll just have to wait and see on that but i think no question or almost no question that he opts out stripling has already said that he's opting in and it's the same same contract 12 and a half million so that's one you're not thrilled with, but you're stuck with. Okay, so there's two that you're not thrilled with, but you're stuck with. Uh, Taylor or Anthony DiScalfani is next at 12 million. Man, he was so good at the start of the year, and then he just completely fell apart. And then he went on the IL with I don't even remember what it was actually at this moment in time. But last year of his deal, as will Stripling will be entering the last year of his deal as well. $12 million for DiScofani. So none of these so far looking good, but they're all modest deals and they're all over soon. And so it's not that big of a deal. It's obviously not a perfect scenario, but this is not like disastrous payroll kind of setup. If one if the Giants have one thing going for them, or one of the things the Giants do have going for them is that their books are relatively clean, including next year. But especially then, if you look at 2025 and 2026, 2026, they've only got one player signed, and it's Logan Webb. And that's a guy you want under contract. Taylor Rogers is owed $12 million and it's guaranteed, and he'll be back. Um, Alex Cobb has a $10 million club option. 
I should say the Giants have a $10 million club option over Alex Cobb. Depends on what's going on with his hip, I think. Like if he needs some major surgery that has like a 12-month recovery time, then perhaps they don't pick that up. But given the last couple of years, he's been one of their best and one of the best in baseball at times pitchers. I think that that's like a very modest price to pay, especially when you consider there's a $2 million buyout. So it's really actually just an $8 million decision. I think it totally comes down to his the, the health of his hip, basically, and what the recovery is going to look like for that. Is he going to need surgery and all that? So I hope he's back. And that would mean that he's they hope that he'll be healthy. But I mean, Cobb's been a good giant and a good pitcher. And they can bring him back if they want to for 10 million bucks. Luke Jackson, guaranteed contract, six and a half million. Wilmer Flores, this one looks great. Guaranteed contract, six and a half million with a weird option for the following year. It's a player option, but then if he declines it, it becomes a club option for five million more. So, but he'll definitely be back in 2024, and that's great. And then Logan Webb, under contract for five additional seasons and next year at just $8 million. So those are your guaranteed commitments. I have made the assumption that, that or let's just make the assumption that Conforto and Manaya opt out, which many seem to believe will be the case. I'm not so sure about Conforto, as I said, but perhaps. If they were to take the buyout on Alex Cobb, that's only $76.5 million committed. And again, this season, their payroll was $190 million. So that they'd be well like over a hundred million short of that. If they pick up the Cobb option, you add eight million to that, and it becomes eighty-four and a half million, still over a hundred million short of where they were this year. But there's you know, you also have to factor in the arbitration eligible players and pre-arbitration players. And so coming up in just a minute, we'll look at the the Giants arbitration eligible players. And within them, that's where you start looking at extension candidates. Are there any extension candidates within that group? We will get into it in just a minute. And before we do, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, uh, you can snap into the action this NFL season with FanDuel. America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I've got it pulled up. I've got FanDuel pulled up right now, and I'm looking at uh, the 49ers, their next game, which appears to be against the Arizona Cardinals. And my goodness, the 49ers, I'm not the, I don't totally understand betting odds. It sometimes confuses me, but minus 1100 for the 49ers to win, and the spread being minus 14 points at minus 110 odds. The over-under on the score being 44 and a half. I just think that's really interesting. And you can check out that and so much more Super Bowl odds, all kinds of stuff over at FanDuel today. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 
All right, as promised, the arbitration-eligible players for the Giants will also kind of go over pre-arbitration players and talk about are there any extension extension candidates. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow, a fresh batch of mailbag questions. Oh, it is going to be fun with knowing that the Giants were eliminated, are not going to make the playoffs, are going to be probably below 500 and there's going to be a lot of questions and we'll get to them tomorrow so uh the giants also play the dodgers on friday their next game at 7 15 pacific and you can catch every pitch of the giants hometown broadcast with sirius xm on the sxm app search giants so the arb eligibles this is you know before you reach free agency you go through arbitration and you normally get three years of arbitration. Sometimes you get four in special cases if you are among the top 22% of players in terms of service time who have between two and three years of service time. It's making my head hurt even trying to remember the exact way it happens. But like, for example, Tyro Estrada is earning our, is in arbitration now but he gets three more arbitration years. Most players just get three arbitration years. Tyro gets four. I think I think Yastrzemski is one of the guys who got four as well. And it just has to do with service time. Anyway, I mentioned that Junis, Brebia, and Alexander were in their last years of arbitration this year. So they don't count. But the guys entering their final years of arbitration next year are J.D. Davis and Austin Slater. J.D. Davis this year making $4.21 million. Probably the way arbitration works is you always get a raise pretty much no matter what. Um, And so for Davis, we'd probably be looking at like $5.5 million. And I think, you know, one year, $5.5 million for what Davis has produced, I think that's a fairly easy decision to tender him a contract. Not saying for sure, make him your starting third baseman. And if they intend to sign someone like a Matt Chapman, maybe they do non-tender a JD Davis. But again, all, all arbitration numbers for the giants, at least are pretty small potatoes. And so it's kind of like, don't get too worked up about this, but it's more about, they have the ability if they want to, to bring all of these players back. So the next guy is Austin Slater. He just earned $3.2 million this year, so he'd probably be in line for about $4.5 million next year, which again, if you, if you know MLB salaries, like $4.5 million for what Austin Slater can do is a bargain. Like Even in a down year like this year, he was worth way more than that, or at least somewhat more than that. And so I think it's kind of a no-brainer that you bring back Slater there. The next player... Uh, or actually the next three players are, they have two years of arbitration remaining. So basically two years of team control beyond 2023 remaining. And that's Mike Yastrzemski, who was earning 6.1 million this year, due for a raise, you know, call it 7.8 or something million next year. It starts to get a little expensive, but I think that he uh, is is a solid player who's worth bringing back. For these mod for a modest price, and yes, seven or eight million, you know, eight million or so is is pretty modest. Again, for a one year deal for a player who's at least kind of at worst average mediocre. Tyler Rogers is next, made one point six seven five million this year. 
easy decision to bring him back next year. The salary will be, I don't know, closer to $3 million. Easy decision. Lamont Wade making three point, or excuse me, $1.375 million this year. And I think just an obvious decision to bring him back for what would be around, I don't know, also around $3 million, a little less, probably 2.8, something like that for next year. These are such small numbers, right? If you were seeking similar value in free agency, you'd have to pay so much more. And that's why these guys get bring, brought back and it's kind of an easy decision. Finally, Tyro Estrada making $2.25 million this year and with three more years of arbitration. He, to me, is the is the kind of main extension candidate here because he'd be entering the exact same scenario as Logan Webb, three years of arbitration remaining going into the upcoming season. And, you know, it will be his ages 28, 29, and 30 seasons that he's under team control for. But what if you add on a couple more years there, maybe make them club options with the kind of incentive for Estrada being that you buy out the arbitration years so you guarantee him quite a bit of money not a huge amount we're talking like maybe 3.8 million next year and then like 6 million the year after that and then 9 million the year after that so it it adds up to like 17 million or something and then you add a couple club options guarantee him 20 plus million dollars uh but you get to add on a couple extra years on the back end potentially uh, not a rush because you do have the team control for three additional seasons after this one ends. So there you have it. And everybody else, all the rookies you saw, you know, e- not even rookies like Camilo Duvall is pre-arbitration. Uh, anyone else you can think of who I didn't name, who's kind of a young player or is newish to the league, obviously like pure rookies like Patrick Bailey, Blake Sable, uh, Tyler Fitzgerald, Luciano, Matos, all of those guys are pre-arbitration. You have you get three pre-arbitration years before your three arbitration years. So all of those guys can and will be brought back. And minor league options is also a thing. Like they don't all have to be in the major leagues if you have options. And so, but you still are in the organization uh, unless they let you go. But they don't. The Giants don't have to let anybody else go. So. That is all the time we have for today. And again, you know, you factor in, I didn't like add up all those arbitration estimates, but it can't amount to that much. Just eyeballing it, um, 20 million or so, I don't know, just eyeballing it. And so even at that, it looked, if Conforto and Manaya were to opt out, if the Giants matched this year's payroll, they'd have about $90 million to play with. And if they went back down to like 160, they'd have about $60 million to play with. So that's what I mean when I say the books are pretty clean, actually, uh, is that every year they're going into the offseason and it's not like they're, you know, already committing a huge amount of money and they can't, they basically can't do anything. They're going to be able to take action, sign players this offseason, just like they have in recent offseasons. They just have to be better with the ones they sign, I think, or trade for. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow, a mailbag edition of the show. Look out on Twitter or X for the prompt. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. 
check me out on Twitter or X at Ben Caspic, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thank you in advance and thanks to everyone who has done so already. I really do appreciate it. Anyway, I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening today. You are now Locked on Giants.